Howdy, everybody, and welcome to another BP Movie Journal, the show I do where I talk about the stuff I've seen since the last time I did one of these. Uh, I'm David. It's just me, and this probably won't be a very long one um, unless I get real mouthy. Um, let's kick things off with a classic, filling in a bit of a blind spot. Uh, watched uh, Samuel Fuller's Pick Up on South Street. Um, uh, liked it a lot. I like... Uh, I'm especially a fan of when Richard Widmark plays a scumbag. Because <laughs> um, I guess he's kind of the sort of hero of this movie, but only because he's a pickpocket who accidentally um, steals some important like uh, espionage type of information and uh, becomes targeted by both, uh, I guess, like the FBI and the... Uh, presumably like the KGB um and he's only just gotten out of prison when the movie starts but um yeah that's the the mode that I that I like him in if you think of like uh uh Night in the City or um the 1948 movie called Roadhouse which is not the Patrick uh Swayze movie um there's also No Way Out uh which is a movie where he not the 80s No Way Out the the 1950 No Way Out where he's uh a full-on racist uh that one maybe is a little too far but i generally like what richard woodmark is a scumbag and he's definitely a scumbag here you know living on a boat keeping his beer cold in the water uh it's uh it's a a ton of fun um less fun but still quite compelling um i watched uh georgi fair's twilight um a movie from the land of hungry yes hungry from 1990 that's recently been restored um it's a murder investigation movie uh, a child murder investigation movie um that is very uh i guess meditative contemplative um it it lingers on these black and white images people talk minimalistically um the it's 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 about a police uh investigator who is investigating these child murders um and uh they and he's sort of becomes obsessed but not in a manic way it's just a grind forward um slow grind uh and uh it's there's something i I feel like the best like depressing movies have to have some sense of lightness and hope in them as a contrast and there is oddly a certain dark like gallows humor almost kind of like optimism to the idea that this guy is just going to keep going forward. He's motivated by something, even though it's an awful thing and the world is full of awful things. Um, he at least has some sort of dark purpose. Um, uh, next up, I watched Eva Longoria's directorial, directorial debut, Flamin' Hot, which I went in knowing like the, the, 
the the urban legend as we now know it is uh, of the um the uh Frito-Lay um janitorial employee who came up with uh Flamin' Hot Cheetos uh, or the Flamin' Hot flavor that uh is in Flamin' Hot Cheetos and we now know that it's it's been pretty fully debunked and I knew that going in um but I thought there's you know plenty of movies have that are based on true stories have skirted the actual truth and that doesn't necessarily mean the movie's going to be bad unfortunately the movie is bad not for any other reasons it's just a really um amateurishly uh made and written movie it's like you know um i can't remember the guy's real name the 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 screenwriting teacher that Brian Cox is playing a facsimile of in in adaptation, um, in an adaptation like he, which is a movie that has voiceover narration, he like has that whole thing about never use voiceover narration. Um, obviously, there are plenty of movies that use it uh, well, but I feel like Flame and Hot is exactly the kind of movie that that advice is warning against um it's wall-to-wall narration that is it's the definition of telling not showing everything is spelled out at every moment um and it saps all of the tension from the movie it saps any uh potential for surprise uh it's just like you're watching a somewhat elaborate powerpoint presentation that this guy is narrating about his life and uh um i just found everything so uh so corny um and uh uh tiresome just so unimaginative the this movie it's, it fell completely flat for me so i'm i'm really sorry about that oh next up i watched the movie uh directed by ted gagan um it's 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 on shutter it's called brooklyn 45 and it's really good uh it um um it, it's a it's a horror movie uh, uh a period piece horror movie um takes place in brooklyn in 1945 not just a clever title uh it's about a bunch of sort of uh world war ii veteran officers who um worked in the higher ranks of, you know, officers and intelligence officers and stuff like that, uh, who were kind of reuniting for Christmas 1945, um, um, after the war. And, um, but then when they get there, the, the general of the group played by Larry Fessenden, that's how you know you're watching a good indie horror movie is if Larry Fessenden has, um, uh, has blessed it by, by being in it. Um, Larry Fessenden says, the reason I actually gather you all here today is I uh, miss my dead wife and I want to do a seance to try to contact her. And they do a seance and things go kind of nuts. Um, and I won't, uh, I won't spoil anything, but uh, it has some really fantastic period, like production design and costumes that I really loved. Um, a bunch, a bunch of like, there's a certain theatricality to the the fact that it's all pretty much all in one room, um, and a lot, there's a lot of 
monologuing going on, but um, so there's a certain play-like aspect to it, but I don't think that's, I think you could do that and still be cinematic, and I think Ted Gagan does that here. Um, the movie is cool to look at. It's, uh, it unlike Flamin' Hot, it is surprising. It, there, it is full of surprises. Um, but in addition to uh, Larry Fessenden, you've got Anne Ramsey um, and uh, Ezra Buzzington, who I didn't know that name, but very much recognized him. He's been in a lot of stuff. Uh, I didn't know or recognize Jeremy Holm, but he is... Uh, maybe second to Anne Ramsey, second best performance in, in the movie. Uh, and the movie definitely has a lot to say. I mean, it definitely um, reminded me of something like The Hateful Eight, which is like, let's get a bunch of different Americans in a room and have them talk about America, but with, you know, drama. Um, and and I, I definitely think... Um, Brooklyn 45 is a movie that has a lot to wants to unpack a lot about the American psyche and to whom does America belong and when people when soldiers go um, go across the sea and fight for what our freedoms our rights our values what is that what are they fighting for what does that earn them um, there's a lot of questions that are really uh, uh thorny and naughty and um fun to unpack um all right speaking of fun um i watched you'll notice if you keep up on the criterion collection you'll notice i'm kind of catching up on my like unwatched criterion discs uh (laughs) lately so um i watched lizzie borden not the murderer but the filmmaker lizzie borden 1986 film working girls which is a workplace dramedy of a day in the life of a um somewhat high-end um manhattan brothel um and it's there's there's one um main character um played by louise smith uh who's there all day but like other sex workers other women um come in and out the the madam i guess uh comes in and out obviously the johns come in and out and uh it's a a rare movie about sex work that doesn't um isn't about the horrors of it but also isn't fully about like empowerment at the same time or whatever it's just it treats it very factually the fact like this is for these women this is their job um and they get into like during downtime they get into you know talking shit about the other employees or the boss or whatever like in so many ways it is just uh a normal work day but it but it's not treating it lightly either um uh it's it's fantastically watchable fantastically well acted um and and varied in the its depictions of both the women who do this work and its depictions of the men who uh who come to this place and um not uh ignorant of the dangers that 
that lie in, in in this in this work but um uh really fantastic hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Um, moving on to 1969's La Piscine, or The Swimming Pool, directed by Jacques Deray, which is a movie that I never saw Luca Guadagnino's um, A Bigger Splash, but it's a remake of La Piscine. Uh, this, is a, this is a super cool movie. Um, it's... Uh, Romy Schneider and Alain Delon play a couple who are staying in a friend's sort of, uh, where's it supposed to be? Like, um, uh, Saint-Tropez, uh, I think. Yeah, Saint-Tropez. Um, uh, staying in a friend's house, uh, for a month or so on vacation. And then they have an unexpected, their visitor, not their visitor, their friend is suddenly in town and, and has his, 18 year old daughter that they didn't know existed with him and he comes to stay for a few days um and the 18 year old daughter is played by john uh sean uh J- jane birkin um maurice rene is the um the other guy um and uh yeah tensions simmer tensions between friends uh sexual tensions between um various pairings uh obviously not the father and daughter uh, don't worry about that it's not that kind of movie um and uh it's a kind of a, a slow burn of a movie but it's a slow burn in a fun way because it's this beautiful home this beautiful place and of course that i mentioned elaine delon romy schneider and jane birkin like it's beautiful people you know uh, uh, laying around in swim trunks or some bikinis and and stuff like that. It's um a fantastic little slice of uh, um French, I guess, thriller. Uh, okay, getting away from Criterion but sticking with the past, I watched a 1951 sci-fi movie called Flight to Mars, directed by Leslie Salander. Um. And, uh, it's not that great. Um, it, I, I don't want to be one of those people who watches old movies just to like laugh at them, but there are some things that like do seem very funny. Like first off points for having a female scientist on board the flight to Mars, but it's also hilarious that her hair is always impeccably done up (laughs) during this, like, uh, scientific expedition that where they turn into like hostages of martians <laughs> um um and uh i will say it is the uh rare movie of like i feel like watching like old doctor who from like the early 60s they never bothered to explain why every like race of creature everywhere in the time space continuum speaks english at least this movie does provide an explanation for how the martians learned to speak english um that's uh at least it does that uh also it's very funny that they're um 
smoking cigarettes on board the spaceship as they're flying to mars uh just like looking out the window having a cigarette that's very funny um but yeah then they get to mars and they're welcomed but the martians turn out to be uh um uh bad guys the movie is oddly oddly cynical you know the um the closest thing it has to a romance is that uh the woman scientist um basically keeps hanging around the uh journalist who's on board um just to make another scientist jealous um it uh doesn't have a movie doesn't have a very uh fine nice view of of people or of martians i guess uh next up a very pleasant surprise um because you know if tyler were here he he and i would share our commiseration about uh just how trepidatious we are about first films from actors turned directors so i saw randall park's film shortcomings um but i almost immediately was like oh i think i'm in good hands here because it's the main character is uh it takes place in berkeley and in the the main character is uh, sort of he dropped out of film school to be a filmmaker, but now just like manages a movie theater and uh, his relationship is crumbling. Um, and you kind of understand why, like, this is not a guy who's like a lovable loser. The guy's a jerk. Like, he clearly hates himself and takes that out on everyone around him. He's like, uh, I've. I was really happy that the edges weren't sanded off as I would expect in this sort of like American indie dramedy of, you know, present day. Um, it's, it's actually really willing to go there with, uh, with its characters and, and, and their, their problems and they take their problems out on other people the way they deal with their problems in ways that are more convenient than, helpful in the in the long run um the main guy is played by justin h min um who uh is in let's see uh letterbox as i said not to work um he's uh yang from after yang that's what he is uh that's what that's who he played um yeah, so way to go, Randall Park. Really coming out of the gate with um, an impressive debut. Uh, all right, another um, uh, Criterion scratch, a kind of blind spot off my list. Uh, I watched on Andre Vida's Ashes and Diamonds, which I know is part part of um, the 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 War trilogy. Uh, and this definitely is a movie that's about like war or, or guerrilla warfare. Um, uh, but, um, it's really, it feels more like a crime movie. It's basically a movie about two assassins who are hanging around waiting for the chance to assassinate the guy they're supposed to assassinate. Um, and it has there's a dynamic between the two assassins that I feel like you've seen in other later movies like Cohen and Tate, where one of them is kind of like the 
wild man, tough guy, loud mouth, uh, loose cannon. The other one is like the buttoned up, uh, serious professional. Um, and, uh, yeah, it definitely would be that it delivers on its promise of, of violence, uh, in a couple of scenes, but for a lot of it, it's, um, just hanging out and seeing these people interact with the public or with other officials and in various organizations. Um, and it, you know, I don't certainly don't know enough about, um, post-World War II Poland, um, to, uh, to get everything, but it seems like it's a really fascinating survey of attitudes about Poland, about the war, about communism, um, all at the same time. Uh, and then I watched a new, uh, Irish movie called the Miracle Club, Miracle Club, um, it takes place in the late 60s uh, a group of small town Irish women uh, win in a fundraiser win the chance to go to the cathedral at Lourdes in France where um, I guess I didn't even think to look this up I didn't know all this that uh, people like get into the baths there and hope to be healed by miracle at, at Lourdes um, so it's basically a bunch of women um who all have things about themselves or about, uh, in one case about their son or whatever that they want the Lord to heal. Um, and, uh, I think I went in thinking it was going to be more of like a sort of, um, one of those village comedies, like a waking Ned divine type of thing or whatever. Uh, it, it has some comedy in it, but it's, um, much more of a melodrama, um, in which, uh, the past is resurfaced and things come to light and things long undealt with become dealt with. And so there is like, interestingly, there is a lot of healing that happens, uh, in, in the long run, but it's not necessarily miraculous. Some of it is difficult and, and, and drawn out, but in a very like, you know, uh, dramatical dramatical dramatic way uh very dramaturgical way i guess um and uh uh yeah i definitely found it i just generally found it to be one of those um solid uh middle brow entertainments that is made for adults and also i haven't mentioned the cast um it's laura linney maggie smith and kathy bates uh, also stephen ray um, has a, a, a small-ish, but uh, a good part in the movie. So um, with a cast like that, even um, though two of them are American, um, you, you, you can't go wrong. Mm-hmm. 